You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hey there, and welcome to Push the Point, episode 118. I am your host this week. It is me, Labosco. I know normally you're used to hearing Ramsey's at the beginning, but unfortunately, he is not available for today's episode. But that's okay, because we've got a special guest today. I'm going to be joined by the one, the only, Howler. You might have known him from a podcast back in the day of casual owl fans and, uh, well, he, he also plays D&D with us, too, so <laughs> we, we, we get to have a lot of fun with him still, but super glad to have you on. It's unfortunate that Ramses isn't here when we get you on, but uh, I think you're a pretty good replacement for him. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no one can match Ramses, right? But I'll, I'll try my best. I'll try my best. I'll do what I can. We'll uh, we'll try not to get sidetracked too much with. Um, One Piece or Final Fantasy fourteen. Now that Ramsey is, isn't here to keep us in line, <laughs> oh my god! I'm, I'm excited to be here. It's a, I, it's a great week to be on the podcast. <laughs> we we do have a lot of news to talk about, but because you mentioned Final Fantasy fourteen, by the way. <laughs> Mash those buttons. There is a podcast for that, but also follow us on Twitter at pushpointpod for this podcast. Uh, it'll keep you up to date with all this stuff, like when we go live on Twitch, because all of our all of the episodes are streamed. If you want to hear that first, but of course, you know, listen on your podcasting platform of choice too. I um I've taken a little bit of a break because I want to finish Coils of Bahamut for Final Fantasy fourteen, mm, but I'm smart. through I'm through Heaven Sword. I just need to kind of do that. Uh, what server are you on? I'm on Behemoth. I'm on the Primal data center. I am also on Primal. Wait, we, didn't we go. add each other before? I don't remember. No, I don't think we did. I, we were I trying to, to talk about you. it during D&D, and then like people were like, oh my god, Final Fantasy XIV fans, shut up. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's true. That's okay, they're not here now, so but they yeah, can't stop we'll, us. We'll fix that, we'll add each other. Yeah, uh, th- but we, we've got a lot of Overwatch news to talk about, <laughs> starting with uh, we are going to start with some heavy hitting news. Um, and and obviously it, it has been something that Ramses and I have talked about. Owler, I know, definitely feels the same way we do about keeping the Activision Blizzard management team accountable and, and just making sure to continue talking about the demands of the employees, which mm-hmm. the a better ABK Twitter tweeted out on September 2nd that uh, they are still waiting for the chief suite to acknowledge what it is that they want done. It is something that has still not happened. And and Mm -hmm. Howler, you know, we get to have you on here. And obviously this is a subject that continues to need to be talked about. So, I mean, it's really, it's getting a little bit frustrating that these specific demands aren't at least addressed by those in charge. Yeah, it is really frustrating. Um, and like they've done, they've removed a lot of the bad actors that were a big part of some of these lawsuits, right? That have that have come out. And like those sorts of moves are great, but it's these these now fundamental changes that is being asked for um by by the ABK, right? Um, mm-hmm. to make these sorts of changes. And it's frustrating when the leadership isn't really doing anything to um to show that they are willing to make any kind of lasting changes because it's this the people in leadership are the people who ultimately created this environment 
where these bad actors were able to thrive for as long as they did. So it's important that they begin to show that they're trying to make cultural and structural changes in the organization to to be able to make sure things like this don't happen again. And it's very frustrating to just kind of see them trying to ride radio silence, hoping it disappears. So I love that you guys continue to talk about this and mm-hmm. it's frustrating that um, there's not much more to talk about at the same time. Yeah, th- that's very true. I mean, it's nice to have somebody like you on the podcast who is somebody else who's a supporter of this and, and also has been very vocal about what they've thought about certain things that have happened too. By the way, uh, at a better ABK, if you want to follow what is basically a collective of current and former Activision Blizzard employees that are sort of been one of the driving forces here. Uh, It's a good thing to follow. There's also one for Ubisoft as well, which I think is a better Ubisoft or something like that. I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but that's another company. That if you're a video game fan, which if you're listening to this, I assume you are, mm-hmm. follow those Twitters. And just to reiterate what the demands are that they have right now, an end to mandatory arbitration clauses in all employee contracts, current and future. Arbitration clauses protect abusers and limit the ability of victims to seek restitution. They've got four different things here. Just as a reminder, uh, we've talked about these before. We're going to talk about them here as well adoption of recruiting interviewing hiring and promotion policies designed to improve representation among employees at all levels agreed upon by employees and a company-wide diversity equity and inclusion organization current practices have led to women in particular women of color and transgender women non-binary people and other marginalized groups that are vulnerable to gender discrimination not to be hired fairly for new roles when compared to men Three, publication of data on relative compensation, including equity grants and profit sharing, promotion rates and salary ranges for employees of all genders and ethnicities at the company. Current practices have led to aforementioned groups not being paid or promoted fairly. It's because it's not something that's very talked about. Funny, this also made me think another big company going through something similar where employees are banding together is Apple. Apple is currently has um, outreaches that are happening by internal employees about transparency and pay. So if you're an Apple, if you're somebody who has Apple products, that's something to pay attention to as well. And then number four here from the ABK employees, empower a company-wide diversity, equity, inclusion task force to hire a third party to audit ABK's reporting structure, HR department, and executive staff. It's imperative to identify how current systems have failed to prevent employees harassment and to propose new solutions to address these issues. So none of that's been met so far. We will continue to update you on things like that. But there's actual Overwatch League news that we get to go over here as well this week. And mm-hmm. the first the first thing we're going to talk about, Howler, actually ties to a team that you're you're a fan of. Mm-hmm. And that is the Florida Mayhem uh, making some coaching changes to their their coaching roster. Docs and Insight have been let go by the Florida Mayhem or I don't know if that's the official or if it's they, they've agreed to part ways. I, who knows? It, I don't remember they're not the exact with the team wording. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it has a fan, like especially after the season, something, something had to give, right? You had this roster of what, what should have been star talent, right? There's no like there. Sh- it should have been an argument. Was this a top table team or a middle table team? Not bottom missing the play ins, right? Um, so something had to change, and personally, after the decision to 
bench OGE and put Checkmate on main tank. Anyone who was involved in that decision needed to go. So that was just... It really kind of threw away our chance at even making playoffs by having a week where we just weren't competitive at all. Like, yes, we were struggling, but we were not even close to competitive. If you're putting Mm -hmm. a rookie who barely has experience on his actual role at the Overwatch League level, I don't think they played him a single time as DPS before, maybe once. Once. He played the game before they brought him in as main tank. So it was just really bad decision. They were... A lot of problems with the team throughout the year that seemed to... Bo- we had the individual skill, so if you can't, as coaches, make that individual skill you had on the team work, maybe it's time to try something new. Well, so, and- unfortunate, but probably a necessary step forward into try to making a better Florida Mayhem for 2022. To to that end, as far as checkmate, like he was supposed to sort of be your your bridge guy between like what, what BQB and Yaki couldn't do on DPS exactly. and you never saw it happen. It was so, yep. so confusing. And then like the time we really get to see him, he's playing main tank. It was, it was definitely very bizarre mm-hmm. from that standpoint. I'm a little surprised that it was only assistants that were let go, um, that it wasn't kooky. Now I, I guess it's because of how kooky had done in previous seasons. Yeah. But still, Doc's and Insight were, I think, around for that season, too, right? Yes, and they were around as well. Um, Definitely Doc's. Insight, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure, at least in 2021, they were both around as well. Um, I I imagine... It's it's hard when you don't know the internal actual workings of the team, but to me, it seems like Kuki is less of a strategic coach, even though he does have that Overwatch League experience. He strikes mm-hmm. me more as kind of like a, a morale kind of coach, like um, he's kind of doing like more of the management, um, speaking with the he's players. He's a Ted Lasso. Where, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's your Ted Lasso, right? And where um, the other the other coaches, that's that's where the strategies probably coming from and more of the nitty gritty kind of stuff that wasn't panning out mm-hmm. as well for the team. Um, there's other factors to consider too. Like the reason Yaki chose the Florida Mayhem is because we had Kuki. Um, right. I believe we signed Kuki for a longer contract as well. Like if I remember when we were talking about like the first things we did in the 2021 off season, I believe was extended Kuki like two or three years. I don't remember which, but I, I remember that was like their first goal was to secure Kuki. So I think. We, we're we're with Kuki for a little bit, so hopefully with some new assistance and maybe, um, I mean the obvious changes that are coming to the Overwatch League that are going to be unavoidable, but some personnel changes as far as players as well. Hopefully, we'll see the the Florida Mayhem we saw in twenty twenty one and the celebrated Kuki as one of the best coaches in the league because that's the reputation he had coming into this season. So we'll have to see. Speaking of those changes to the Overwatch League, that's a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about next, which is the fact that John Spector tweeted out on September 3rd, two very key things coming up for next season in the Overwatch League. The first tweet uh, says, I've seen a lot of speculation regarding a 2022 start date for Overwatch League. Some people remember there was the Yeska article that was saying the league will probably not start till almost a year after mm-hmm. the last competitive games finish for this season, John Spector had tweeted before saying that's never been something we've considered. 
um, the, the, he's, you know, basically sort of debunking that um, that initial article a little bit. Yeah. But then now this has further solidified that that is something that's not going to happen because now we, we don't have an exact start date, but we have a start month because he goes on to say in this tweet, mm. we can confirm that our plans are to begin the season in April 2022. We will sh- share more details about the 2022 roster construction timeline soon and more important and more info generally on our 2022 season as we get closer to April. So that that leaves it a little bit open ended for when we might hear about some of this stuff, Aller. But yes, that is a very encouraging thing for a lot of us who mm-hmm. are maybe a little bit worried about the article from Yiska, who yep. hits more often than he misses. Yes, for sure. Um, interestingly, Hastro, the um, GM or owner, don't know which is the owner. Exact title is owner, owner of um, CEO Dallas or Fuel something, Envy, right? Yeah, he, he's um, got a weird title. He said April 22nd in response to the Spectre tweet. He quote tweeted it saying like Overwatch League, April 22nd, it's going to rule or something like that. So not sure if that's something more Dallas related or that's actually the start of the league, but there is that date floating around in the nether as well from a pretty credible source. That could be the first homestand. That's what I was thinking too. It could be like a homestand for Dallas. So we'll have to see, but yeah, April it's, it's good to know. We're not gonna, a, we're not going to be waiting for until like whatever they thought it was going to be July or September until the overwatch league next season started. But B, which I assume you're just going to get to. Yes, be <laughs> the end of Overwatch One. <laughs> yes. So the other thing, and it wasn't John Spector who who had put this out. It was there was a few people who put it out. Mm-hmm. He, the tweet that he he uh, quote tweets in his second tweet in this little thread was from Ms. Liz, uh, who said, "I can confirm via Overwatch League spokesperson the 2022 season will begin on an early build of Overwatch Two. Wow." And then John Spector quote tweeted that and said, oh, yeah, also this. So <laughs> so we know that we, we are going to be seeing Overwatch 2 from the beginning of the year. Which is kind of um, it's kind of alluded to by John Spector, though, in the roster construction part of his first tweet, Haller. So yes. it, it, this isn't like too big of a surprise. Yep. But it's nice to know that it's confirmed that that's going to happen at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then you could start to speculate, oh, what if we start the season on Overwatch 1 and then we switch to Overwatch 2? And that's why there's going to be construction. Like, it's nice to know, like, confirmed it's Overwatch 2. It's good from, like, a team ownership standpoint. Okay, we know it's just Overwatch 2. We can start focus focusing on building our rosters with Overwatch 2 in mind. I, I'm still... I'm still like apprehensive because like we know so little and like it says an early build of Overwatch 2, which scares me a little bit because it's like, OK, so how much time are teams going to get to know Overwatch 2 right. before they have to have a final roster? Yes. Like like th- this makes me feel a little bit better maybe for tanks because like maybe your job's a little bit more secure because they don't know what like whether main tank or off tank is going to be better to have on your roster right. and stuff. But it also doesn't make me feel any better because roster changes are still going to happen of some sort. And exactly. a lot of people are going to be out of jobs. Yep. So I'm really excited for it from like 
from just like a fan's perspective and like a, as mm-hmm. someone who wants the league to be successful, being on Overwatch 2 next year is going to be nothing but great for the league, right? Um, particularly if it is an early build, this might be the best opportunity for many people to be seeing what Overwatch 2 looks like live in action. So the prospect of that as just a product is really exciting. And it's really exciting in a couple months of lots of pessimism in the Overwatch and Owl community to just have have some real excitement again, especially right now with the playoffs going on. It's it's just a breath of fresh air, and I'm super hyped for it. But also as someone who is on a podcast where we get to overthink Overwatch League <laughs> very often, right? Um you you start to get concerned when you start to think about the nitty gritty where you're like, okay, this is an early build. And that probably just means like PVP is going to be mostly finished or just not ready to ship like the PVP as the PVE aspects that are going to mm-hmm. be shipping with Overwatch 2, the final product. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. But as you're saying, the roster construction, how early are teams going to be getting their hands on Overwatch 2? And like if you're trialing players, are they even going to have played Overwatch 2 before? Um, yeah. How are you going to actually know when you're trying to test your tanks or, or just see how anyone's going to perform? Because it's going to be different. Your supports are going to have less peel, right? Usually you have like an off tank who's almost always just dedicated to peeling for you and a lot right. a lot of comps. You're not you're not going to have that. You're going to be a bit more on your own. It's, it's going to feel different for every role, not just the tanks. And it's going to be important for teams to be able to know how players can adapt to that so mm-hmm. are they going to have a build of overwatch to to trial teams on once the season's over are players going to be able to practice overwatch 2 before those trials or it's just going to be okay hey you're good at overwatch 1 come in oh by the way it's overwatch 2 see how you do you got an hour to impress us have fun <laughs> you know yeah like there's definitely a lot of concerns um and I'm sure they're probably still figuring out all the details right now. I imagine that was a pretty recent decision made um, and a realization that it could even happen in April. Uh, probably an agreement between Overwatch League and Team 4 was probably just met as far as that, I would imagine. Um, with all the different ideas that have been spewing around, I imagine there was a lot being talked about as possibilities. Um, so we'll just yeah. we'll just have to see. Definitely exciting, but still a, a lot a lot to be answered on how this is exactly going to work because we are so in the dark on this game. And, and like, I I think that's something that people who are tied to overwatch league and overwatch need to maybe realize a little bit more is that we are so in the dark with a lot Mm. of this stuff that a lot of things seem more reactionary than, than they are something that was proactive, right? Yes. Like, like this decision seems like a reaction to the Yiska article, even if that might not be the case. I, mm-hmm. I'm thinking in particular, too, there's like a tweet from Uber sort of saying, you know, where, where are those people now? Or or sort of like calling out people who were like, oh, you know, thinking that maybe this was tied to that article. It's like, oh, this is the response to it or whatever. Right. It's natural for people to think that with the timeline of events that happen. So mm-hmm. I, I get people's apprehension and I, I wish that people more closely tied to the product itself. Yes. Maybe understand that a little bit more because this is something that people are so heavily invested in, just yep. like they are. Mm-hmm. It's understandable that they might have some of these reactions. The same thing. Uh, th- there's also like the decision to to do the Hawaii stuff here for playoffs instead of mm. the original plan, which 
yep. understandable. Nobody could get visas and whatever. But we don't know if that was a, you know, a plan B that was planned ahead of time right. or if this was a reaction to what ended up happening. Right. Mm -hmm. And it feels more like a reaction. And that's does, yeah. that's where I think that they they need to sort of realize that as a collective group. And they really haven't done that. Regardless, though, th there's definitely a lot of positives here, even though there are all these negatives. Yes, I think that I, I, I'm just most concerned for the people that I know who are tank players, who yes. their 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 future is no more certain than it was five minutes ago. You know, right. That That's definitely something that really. Um, it, it really irks mm -hmm. me because because the players the last two years at the end of the se each season have gotten the short end of the stick with a lot of things with the changes to how contracts work. Yes. And and we I, I don't know if you know, but I don't I don't know if they were even talked to about those changes. It doesn't seem like not. they were. <laughs> and that's 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 pretty bad. That That's yeah. the thing. Like, like, yep. it doesn't look good. So, no, I, I am excited that we are at least going to be on Overwatch, too. I just yep. hope that it's not like a like a super early build, right? Like, how cool would it be if we're getting to play like a beta while they're also playing? Yes, I think that I, as well. That's definitely my hope is like that there's at least at least closed betas are happening by the time. Right. If not, open betas are happening by the time Owl is starting. So people can like also get to play the game and get to experience it, get excited about the game, want to watch it. Um, I think that would that would just be good for Overwatch League. That would be good for Overwatch. Um, so that would just be really excited, exciting. To see so hopefully that happens um i do want to touch real quick on the tank thing is i think at least for next year i'm not too worried about tanks i think mm -hmm. you're going to right. see a lot of teams keeping a main tank and an off tank just because i nobody's really practiced to be able to play all six or however many there are tanks it's six right six seven something like that um yeah it's like to six. play all the tanks right i think it's going to take a couple years before you start to see um tanks start to play every role and you start to see main tank and off tank kind of disappear more um mm -hmm. kind of like with like dps right where it took a few years until we started to see okay jack of all trades is a little bit more important than specialists where when overwatch league first started hit scan specialist and projectile specialist and that was it right um now you start to see people valuing doing everything i think we'll get there with overwatch too but i don't think it's going to be instantly okay buy main tanks or buy off tanks depending on like how the meta goes right i think you're gonna see yeah i think it's gonna take a little longer but yeah it's still still definitely mm -hmm. concerns for the tank players but i don't think it's going to be like this mass exodus right from the get-go <laughs> yeah maybe not from the, the get-go but it, the max exodus definitely is coming in some sense yeah because the rosters are going to get smaller when you're talking 5v5 i think yep call of duty league last year at the end of their season is kind of um a good example uh -huh. of, of things we we unfortunately might be looking at happening here in overwatch yes. league so it, it's they still sub a lot less so it's a yeah. bit harsher in in the CDL than Overwatch yeah. League, but yeah, it def it not ideal, but hopefully it's good for the game. I, right, that that's always <laughs> the biggest hope for everything right yeah. now is that it's going to be better for the game. Yeah, the the games uh, for the play-ins were interesting. They're, they they're, happened. They happened. There there was <laughs> really only one that was really close and really yes. good. Um, not that the other games were bad. It's just they weren't um, 
There was a lot of three O's and three ones. There was only one three two. So yeah, it was. Um, I, I'm a little surprised that it, some teams were as dominant as they were in the play-ins, but yes. it was still pretty pretty darn good. Let's start with the East first, Howler. The first games that we saw for that one for the the start of the play-ins for the East were the Hangzhou Spark versus the Philadelphia Fusion, and the Fusion three one in that one, and that one mm-hmm. was. That's actually a little bit harder for the fusion than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um it it was it was weirdly close but not close. It yes. was a very it was a strange game of Overwatch. Um this match and the match that followed afterwards with Soul felt like to me it wasn't like who won any individual map, it was who lost it. Um teams there was hmm. just Every team fight just went very strangely. You would have a team like they would get two kills. And then if they didn't use ults, the other team like who was like 4v6 would win. But if the 4v6 team invested ults, they would lose and look like fools. It was just (laughs) it was very odd. It was very it was very scrappy. Didn't seem like there was a lot of cohesion, a lot of individual mistakes from a lot of players. Um, It was it was messy overwatch <laughs> yeah and, and and it's unfortunate that like really the first action we really get to see of coldest is in the playoffs after a player's let go because yeah. he, he was terrible but like watching watching the spark play and, and like they win the i believe it was map number one is the one that they win yes yeah. they won control like, yep i'm like uh, oh coldest actually kind of looked pretty good it was like why is this guy been on the bench the entire time? There was there's a little bit of confusion for me as somebody who who right. saw a lot of col- coldest prior to this that mm-hmm. this is the first action we get to see. Not that it made a difference at the end, right. you know, because you w- they they run off three straight maps for the fusion after this, but the spark they didn't look like the terrible team, and not that they were terrible, but we saw right. the spark get dominated in a lot of games in the regular you saw, season. You- you saw moments of brilliance from like all of them, but yeah. like also like moments of what's confusion, of brilliant. Yeah. Confusion. Just very, very, it was just, it was just an odd match. And like, as, as you said, coldest, like some flashes of brilliance, sleep darts, bio nades, but then it would like come down to like the basics of just point and heal people. And coldest would seem like his mouse button was stuck and he was just like aiming, not, not healing anybody. And you're just, it was it was weird. It was a weird game. <laughs> um, Benar was looking great in like the neutral game, like as far as yep. like especially on his Sigma, like his 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 left clicks, right? Every, his shielding, everything was great. But then when it was time to ult or his Zarya, when at any time it was time to ult, it was just tragic. <laughs> it was every everybody had little things going on gushway looked great but looked exploitable as as usual kind of like his hero yeah. pool is kind of easy to judge and you could tell that philadelphia fusion was like playing comps that would punish what gushway wanted to do particularly winston um it, it was it was just it was a, it was a strange <laughs> match strange it, strange match they well, spark were you, okay but Philly yeah. were also just okay too. It's like not that Philly played fantastic either. Philly were looking a little bit rough themselves, just not as rough as Spark. You know who wasn't looking rough though? Alarm. I thought Alarm was very good in this both yes. games. 
in particular, I thought he played really well in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that stood out to me was Carpe, I thought was very good all series, um, all day long for, yes. for the Philadelphia Fusion too. But to your point about Bernard, there's also like uh, those, con- you know, like scratch your head moments where like he he's pretty high charge. I think it was on Dorado where his Zarya like is, matters, right? Like mm-hmm. being high charge matters for the next fight on a fight yep. they lost. And he yes. like lets himself he, he he ends up right clicking himself and dies. Yeah. And, you're and like, there's like nobody near him. There's there's not a there's not a soul near him. He's halfway back to like the spawn after you cap a. Um, and they're yeah. not even through the gate. Like he has so much space. And I think it's just a little tracer chasing after him and he kills himself. Like, yeah, clearly it just misfired and like clipped a box. But still, like you probably weren't going to do anything to that tracer. You just needed to get out to your you need to survive to right. a bubble on. Yeah. And survive. Um, yeah, it was straight. I also <laughs> I also want to shout out Hotba because I think Hotba gets a lot of grief. And I thought Hotba played excellently and consistently all all throughout the morning i really liked hotba's play yeah he he was definitely a difference maker too and and especially on diva because mm. we, we've seen that he is a very good um zarya like yes. i don't think there's ever been questions about his zarya but diva's yep. been so important right now yes. in the meta to see him thrive on that hero mm-hmm. was definitely promising for the philadelphia fusion that's why they get the 3-1 win and then they get their chance at revenge against the soul dynasty and they do get that revenge. They get the three one mm-hmm. win there. And this was another game that that had some oddities in it, too. Yes. And <laughs> I think um, one of the biggest oddities was one of the players we didn't see, which is we did not see any gesture on maps mm-hmm. where you expected to see him on. Avril alluded at the beginning that like, oh, the 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 the, the plan seems to be that they're going to use Marvel on maps where when where Reinhardt is more important mm-hmm. and then Winston maps, they'll use gesture. And then we didn't see gesture on the maps where you play Winston. Yep. Yeah. We didn't see gesture period, which is really strange for a team that, um, paid good money for gesture. Right. And like, we know what playoffs gesture can do. He, he won a grand finals and, and got to a grand finals largely off his tank play in both those seasons yes of course there's still profit in 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 both those seasons as well but a big part of both of those runs was gestures winston and gestures roadhog right so to have this player that you know shows up big in the playoffs and just say "Eh, we're gonna bench him for marvel um it was definitely weird especially with how much they had been playing gesture this season because last season they were playing a lot of marvel and it was almost a surprise to see gesture in for the playoffs and it was like flipped this time it was gesture most of the regular season now all of a sudden it's playoffs now marvel's in i was strange coaching decision for sure especially in the in the previous um the the fourth quarter of the 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 regular season was all gesture right like they they get to a um they get to the final four too of that particular one too. And and it's because you're seeing a lot of gesture mm-hmm. and then you don't see him at all on the two heroes where like we seeing Marvel play Arisa is confusing to me because gesture is one of the best Arisa's yeah. in, if not the best ever yeah, <laughs> to ever play. So, yeah. so it, it's super confusing to see them make some of these decisions that you're mm-hmm. like, man, they have this guy who can do this. And this isn't, I want to be clear here too. This isn't like a slight to 
to Marvel because right. I think he's incredible at what he does. I think he is an incredible Reinhardt. I think he's very yep. good in the roles that they want him in. It just didn't make sense that they weren't playing gesture, but that wasn't the only reason why they oh, lost. Yeah. I, I I think that's important to be clear as well. Mm. Like like they still are able to take a map off of Soul. They end up winning um, Hanamura to even it up at one one. Yeah, and and then it's Nimbani. I, I think Nimbani's were the biggest. Like you saw what was going to happen the rest of the way because that's yeah. um that's a map where it looks like Soul has everything going for them, and they somehow yep. don't manage to end up winning it. Yeah, it was it was odd. And even that Hanamura win, it felt a lot more like Philly kind of throwing than um, Soul winning because Soul wasn't particularly convincing on Hanamura. They just ended up somehow hanging on um, with that point A hold and Ikiwo being obsessed with Genji. But yeah, definitely Numbani definitely set the tone. And it mm -hmm. felt like after that loss, Soul didn't really have anything left in them that was really just kind of a, a little it. too much for them to bounce back from props to Fitz, by the way because like Fitz was a big reason why they win that defense on hanamura because his mccree was was cracked oh was yeah that's absolutely true. crazy yep. like he yeah i think he won a fight single-handedly for them that was like either they were going to lose first point or they were going to be able to hold on and, and he mm -hmm. he made a huge difference and profit surprisingly like he played well, but he didn't play to the level that I think we expect Profit to play. Yeah, Profit definitely had some big moments, but especially like his tracer, like you know what Profit's tracer can do. But like I was more impressed by EQO's tracer going into Profit's tracer, which was a very strange feeling for me. Yeah, it, it was a little bit weird. And like it, it was really cool to see Philly ascend, though. We've talked a lot about like Soul's kind of downfall here. Yes. But we did see a lot of promising things from, yep. from Philly here, too, in this series, too. EQO and, and Carpe were kind of looking like the EQO and Carpe of old. And Shockwave was a good little mix that they were throwing in there as well. Yeah. And finally getting to see him great. play. And it was nice because, like, I don't know how you feel about this, but but um, and we saw it a little bit more on the later maps. But I like Carpe more on Hitscan, but his Tracer has been actually very good as of late compared to what it was in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Car Carpe is just so good at both. It's like it's 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 hard to choose which you'd rather which you'd rather have him on. Um, but with the way Shockwave was playing, it, it felt like like last year, I remember being frustrated anytime they put Kisu in on the long range Hitscan. Like I just was like, please just put Carpe on it. Why is why is Kisu in doing this role when Carpe does it so much better? Like. I didn't feel that with Shockwave, which was nice. Like, yeah, from from like a fusion fan perspective. Not that I'm a fusion fan, but it was nice from that kind of perspective to see, like, okay, like I am comfortable with this team's compositional choices, which I've didn't feel, especially last year with the fusion. Um, so great job by Shockwave, um, for sure. I I I think. It's funny because, like, I, I still kind of want Carpe more on Hitscan, though, than, than the Tracer. I yeah. feel like he's more impactful there, at least me personally. Like, I Yeah, get and I feel like I was like, I get it. it makes sense. Like, he's their only Tracer player, so he has to play the Tracer. But then I saw EQO pop off on Tracer. I'm like, uh, maybe. 
right. maybe <laughs> you could get away with Carve not on Tracer because he looked pretty good. And, and I think they did do a little bit of the EQO on Tracer and then Carpe. Uh, he eventually switched to Widowmaker on. Yes. I forget which map it was on, but like that was kind of the thing they did. So maybe they'll do a little bit more of it once we hit playoff time. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to know for sure now, but like. So Philly adv- ends up being the team to advance on for the East. Mm-hmm. And then now we can talk about the West. There's obviously a lot more games for the West. We'll start with the the day one of the play ins there. We'll start with the Paris Eternal and Washington Justice. And uh, Decay has decided that he is going to do his Michael Jordan impression yep. again and is a absolute monster in the playoffs and just it did not matter what Paris did. Yeah, I was kind of half watching this game while I was getting ready um, to like to go out somewhere. And then every time I just glance at the screen, I'm like, yep, the case just killing everybody. I'm like, oh, yep. Yeah. Paris isn't doing it. Oh, yeah. OK. Yep. That's a team wipe. It was um, it just felt like 2020 all over again. As far as the justice goes, the K just says, OK, time to win. And there they went. He he, he definitely <laughs> has a better supporting cast this time, though. Like, yes, I think it's worth mentioning, sure. like, Fury was really good. Assassin, I thought, was so much better than we saw him towards the end of the yes. year here. He was a yeah. difference maker for them to win this game. And and, mm-hmm. and he's important in the game after this. But, oh, like, sure. I was maybe a little disappointed, though, from Paris's side because Oni God, play- I thought Oni God played great, but yes, we did. didn't see. I, I don't think we saw as much from some of the other guys that that were you know, really important for them earlier mm. on. Like Khan, I don't think had the same impact that we'd seen him have in earlier mm. games for them. Right. Yeah. And you never know like how much that's the meta and watching justice. Um, it felt like to me and for a lot of the successful teams in the West, they were really good at targeting the flex supports. I think it was a lot harder for flex supports to have a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, this weekend than than it normally was, hence why alarm sticking out was as big of a deal as it was. Right. Um, but yeah, I think I think it was a tough position for some of them. And sometimes when a player is pl- popping off that hard, it's easy to kind of just get to get lost in the mix. Yeah. Um. So it's unfortunate for for a team that had overperformed as much as they had. Um, yeah. I think it's safe to say, like nobody, I don't think expected Paris to get as far as they did. But at the same time, after everything you had saw all season, for them to end on that note felt felt off. It didn't it yeah. didn't feel like it was like the first time all season they didn't meet their potential or exceed it. It was the first time they actually fell short, um, which is unfortunate. But yeah. there's a lot of promise in this team, um, and I think they have a lot of potential to kind of yeah. iterate on this and make an even better Paris Eternal that will look competitive on paper and can hopefully be even better um, once again than, than what we're expecting. So a lot Oni of guys, a guy to build team, around, so. right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, Oni, Oni God still, still cracked fam. Still, <laughs> and he's still been around, a crazy player. He's been around forever too. And, and it's funny. Cause like he didn't join overwatch league right, right away. And people don't realize he was like an OG and, and it's still cool to see him play and, and play well. I think Mag is worth mentioning, too, here in this series as well, because we got to see him on the things that he does best. We saw a lot of Winston and a lot mm. of Reinhardt, which if you're 
somebody who's paid attention like that. That is the stuff that made him rookie of the year considerations was, was his Winston and his Reinhardt. Mm-hmm. We didn't see him to have to play the ball really or the Arisa because he didn't have to play it at all. That made, I think, a big difference yes. for for the way Washington wants to play the game. Mm hmm. And one thing I want to say, too, about Washington style and what I think made them very successful compared to maybe some of the struggles they had, um, like in the Countdown Cup, especially, um, were the coaching decisions of how they played their support line. You rarely saw Bebe on like a high skill hero. He played like very, very safe heroes, right? With Moira and Baptiste were almost all he played, where a lot of the other teams were playing Ana and Zen. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like ju- on the Washington Justice, the support line is definitely the weak point. So yeah. to be able to recognize that like our tank line and our DPS line are so good, um, if we could just put our support lines on heroes where they can kind of make a bigger impact with with, with less ability, um, we'll we'll be able to exceed. Even if it's maybe not as meta, we could trust the rest of our team to pop off and we just need to make sure like they're here and they're providing some healing and some support. Um, so I, I, I found it frustrating as a fan of Overwatch to see like them just kind of cheesing it up on Moira, but also respected the coaches a lot to be able to recognize like, let's take advantage of this. And then it doesn't matter that we can't match the Zen because the rest of our team will be able to gap the other team enough that, that the support difference will, will, won't matter as much. We'll we'll talk about some of this meta stuff here once we get through the games, too, because mm-hmm. there's actually a couple of things that I think we can address with about that in particular. Okay. Uh, really quickly, though, I want to talk about Closer because I thought Closer was very good on the Lucio. I don't think I don't know if he played anything else. I don't think he needed to. He He's much. Yeah, that's his like hero. A little bit of so, break, but yes. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but it wasn't a lot. They they were yeah. definitely much more on, on playing dive centric sort of stuff than they were mm-hmm. anything else or rush. So so him, he mostly played the Lucio and he's definitely more impactful on that uh, for him in particular. Yes. I think he's got a higher skill ceiling than Bebe, but I, I think Lucio is yeah. still his best hero. Bebe, though, like he plays well enough th- th- throughout these play ins and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And it gets them a 3-0 win. Like like it's funny, yep. they, they still 3-0 in this game, which is the crazy part about <laughs> this. And then they they were kind of at the whims of, okay who wants to play as shock or outlaws? But first, let's talk about the teams that also had to play in that first round of the play ins for the West in the Boston Uprising and the Toronto Defiant, the Defiant 3-0 Boston here. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little sad that Boston gets 3-0 the way that they do. I I thought that they could have put up a better fight than they did. It it almost... um, Kind of felt like the tank was empty for them a little bit. Yes. A- a- emphasis on the tank, too, because I felt like stand one was particularly lost in that game, um, especially from the heights he had like early um, 2020 with Shanghai before um, Fearless kind of edged out his role. Right. Um, like stand one is better than I think the performance that we saw him have, but he looked really lost against the Defiant. Um, some factors outside his control, like you started to feel as well with Boston, the, um, how much it hurt that they weren't able to get soon with his visa. And like, they just Valentine 
and I don't think you saw I'm 37 play play the tracer, but even his Sombra, right? Like none of that, they don't feel comfortable on those two heroes. And those two heroes are so integral to the meta that yeah. it was just, it was just tough for Boston. I think from a, from a meta standpoint as well with the players that they had, you really felt like they were missing, they were missing someone they needed to be successful. And so they were just kind of this lukewarm team that, that came in and they had a lukewarm performance. Um, definitely not, um, not indicative of this team's skill. I think that yeah. team is way better than what we saw them play in the play-ins. I think it was just bad circumstances, bad meta for them. Um, hope I hope to see a lot of them back with Boston next year because I think yeah. all of those players were excellent. They just need maybe a couple more pieces to fill in some of their holes. Um, and Boston, Boston should be the the team that's who did they beat um san francisco shock or dallas fuel they beat one of the big teams like yeah to me that that boston could be the can be the norm not just that that one-off performance yeah they're they're sort of missing that one player to fill some of their dps hole like i i still Mm -hmm. like valentine and i'm 37 yep you know i still like color hacks in his his hit scan sort of exclusive role um like you said stand one is like Stan one's one of those guys you kind of wish he was paired up with maybe one other main tank to sort of fill the holes where where he can't like Arisa like you, you're picking stand one mm-hmm. but like you know maybe the Winston you, you wish they maybe had somebody else or 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 at least yeah. for something like the Reinhardt but Myung Bung's still a very good player on the other oh side God, though yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's funny how like through it all Myung Bung's still very Myung very Bung good was trying play. to hard carry his team at some points and he was he was getting pretty close. <laughs> He's so good. It, it's very so nice to see. Guys. And, and um, you know, Faith, Faith is somebody who doesn't get talked about a yeah. lot, but I think it's because he just does his role well and like yep. he doesn't do anything special, yep. but he does. He does always play consistent. And, and, and that's I, what pairs so great with a with a player like Myung Bung. It's yeah. it's exactly what you need. Exactly. On the other side, though, Toronto Defiant, they look really, really good against Boston as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just Boston struggling. It was Toronto looking very good. Hisu yes. had a very good game. Um, mm-hmm. Nice looked really good. Um, Sato was le- dominating the tank. Sato looked and, really good on the ball. Right. I was shocked. But but at the end of the day, uh, you know they they get the three zero here. But then when we move into the the. The second round, the the round that determines whether you make it to Hawaii or not, Mm -hmm. they run into the buzzsaw that is the San Francisco Shock, who are starting, you know, slowly but surely here towards the end of the season. They've been there's been like glimpses of the old San Francisco Shock. And then in this game in particular against Toronto, they really started to look like the old SF Shock. Like, yeah, Nero played extremely well. Lister who's gotten like a lot of BS thrown his way, played yep. extremely well when they had him in Ons, um, Ons, the rust is gone for Ons. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to worry about him. They figured out how they wanted to do their tank rotation. Like everybody's starting to sort of hit on the San Francisco shock mm-hmm. and it's hitting at the right time. And now if you're a team, you've got to get scared because they, they three out Toronto here to move on. And then the other side for Toronto, like literally, I don't know what they could have done to to really do better. Like it seemed like this felt like the talent gap that we used to see a lot of the times in San Francisco. Yes, that is what it felt like. And 
I'm a bit of a Toronto fan myself. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm in Ontario right now. I'm a I'm a Florida fan most first and foremost, but <laughs> special place in my heart for Toronto and the Defiant. Um so I was coming into this match, I was feeling really good. I'm like, we got Hisu and Nice, and they've just gotten like, who are they gonna run tra- Tracer? Nero? Like, oh, that should be a matchup <laughs> oh, that's gonna no. be heavily in Toronto's favor. And the second Nero started winning that matchup, I was like, I GG. <laughs> Go next um it, yeah it felt like a classic san francisco skill gap um playoff match and they they had they had no answers um toronto was sometimes slow to adapt mm-hmm. like san francisco knew they wanted to play the dive style and were playing very anti-dive and they were very stubborn about switching off of it like i remember on their new bonnie defense they let like san francisco just roll over them almost all the way to like point c until they finally switched Kisu to hanzo and then finally started to get a foothold for a little while right um they were just they were really stubborn um about trying to run their dive which was disappointing after watching them play um watching them play boston the day before where they showed a lot of different styles and a lot of flexibility but it was like they were afraid to match the shock when they weren't afraid to match boston um which maybe with good reason but still disappointed to like really not even see them try and just decide to just get run over (laughs) yeah and that was something that i think they talked a lot about in the broadcast too was like you know, the the thing that Toronto felt most comfortable playing was the dive. Mm-hmm. And I think you did see that like the, the until that you saw San Francisco be like, OK, we'll just play anti dive and good luck. Yeah, like like that kind of that's kind of what it felt like was like San Francisco had the compositional flexibility where it didn't matter what Toronto wanted to do. And mm-hmm. Toronto. At that point, it's like. You know, if if, sometimes you've got to go into the mirror, even if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wish Toronto did, because even if they lose it, at least you tried it. And we didn't get to see that. So I'm I'm always a little disappointed when, like, you've thrown everything else at the wall. Why not throw the one thing that you haven't thrown? You know, Mm -hmm. especially when you're talking about your season ending or not. That's always something that frustrates me that we don't see happen in Owlmore. Yeah, the same exact way. <laughs> I was going to say, you, <laughs> you as somebody who likes out. Toronto, you're like, yep, yeah, yep, 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 yep. And, and now, and now San Francisco makes it in. They, they, they are now a team that, that we're going to get to see continue and try for the three P. And then mm-hmm. on the other end, like if there was a time where you're like, okay, Houston, this is it. Your, your time to make it in the playoffs. Right. They, they get the Washington justice, like, which. I, I get it. Like you don't want if like you're debating between Toronto or Washington, you're like, yeah, I'm going to take Toronto if you're San Francisco. Right. But yeah. this still seemed like, OK, like mm-hmm. your destiny for Houston. You've been this team talked up so much since the beginning of the year. Yep. We've seen that the highs, the high points in the regular mm-hmm. season. Sometimes now's the time to to do it for real. And the same the, the the same old story comes true. Like like I literally tweeted out at the games and I was like, man, Ramsey's I joke about calling you a Cubs fan. But boy, <laughs> this Houston Outlaws team looked like the Chicago Cubs of old back in the day. Like when I was in like high school and stuff like I, I they this is a team that that the the, the way their season has ended is a, a 
it's an utter disappointment. They lose three yeah. two to Washington. Well, and it's disappointing too because like even just watching the match, like it felt like it wasn't just okay going in just on paper. Houston's got this. Literally during the match, it felt like okay, Houston's got this, and then all of a sudden they didn't. Um, a lot of credit, I think, to um the team play of Washington, the yeah. Washington Justice, and I'm not sure if that was being talked about live amongst the players or with their coaches between maps, but they adapted to their style very, very well. And by map four, it felt like they had completely eliminated Dante Sombra, which is one of the best, if arguably could, I would accept the argument that Dante could be the best Sombra in the world. Like, excellent at this hero and just made him a non-factor. There was a concerted effort to eliminate his Sombra. Like how yes. many times, how many times, and this is shout outs to the production team. Did we mm -hmm. see Assassin on Sombra come out of Invis just to destroy a translocator yeah. of Dante's? Like we saw it, like they <laughs> scouted him out really well. Like they knew his favorite locations to place the translocator. Yep. Cause like, the assassin wasn't even playing the game he was no. destroying translocators 90 percent <laughs> of the teams time. were fighting like 5v5 or 5v6 if dante was in there too right and then you just saw like assassin just checking every corner running around like a madman trying to see where a translocator was so that he could destroy it the second dante appeared and it's it, it sounds silly and humorous like when you talk about it and it was it was silly to watch it on the broadcast too but gosh darn it it worked it mattered and it made yeah. a difference. It made a huge difference. And the Houston, Houston were not able to adapt to, to that style. To, about Dante wasn't able to adapt to that style. And eventually it, it just it cost him. And I think that was the deciding factor to me of how Justice were able to kind of turn the page in, the, in that, that, in that map, series of maps. Because up until then, it was looking very shock favored. You had a... Right, that was the map with a pretty bad C nine, right on Eichenwald. I've watched it, a lot of Overwatch this. I think weekend. it was. Was it there? Or was it Dorado? I think it was, no, it was Dorado. It was Dorado because um, they they get that like super fast A point for Washington, and you're like, excuse me. I think yes. it was there. I think it was Dorado. I think it was. Yeah, the I think a Houston C nine there, and then Washington C nine on Eichenwald. Is, like right when they yes. yeah, yeah, when yeah, they yeah, were right, pushing right. like to win the map, they just they do that bomb, and then everybody leaves point. I was win. thinking that yeah, I was yeah. thinking the wrong C nine. Yeah. Yes, but then Houston makes fun of that C nine, and then C nine <laughs> and lose the game. So. Eh. Well, it, and that was the thing. Like, if I learned anything from this game, it's that you do not talk trash to decay. Um, yeah, don't poke the bear, guys. <laughs> that that was. Uh, it, we'll reference. I said earlier about how like like Decay had his turned, you know, became his, you know, had his Michael mm -hmm. Jordan moment. This is the game where it happened because the trash, like like if you don't know stories about like there's one man you never trash talk in anything, and that's Michael Jordan, right? Like like I, I, there, there are incredible basketball stories about NBA players trash talking Michael Jordan. And then in that same game where they trash talked him, the results go really bad for the person that trash talked. There's a great mm -hmm. story from Kevin Garnett when he was a rookie talking about how like they were beating him and whoever was on Jordan was playing really well. And KG's like hyping his guy up. 
and then starts talking trash to, to Jordan. And and the funny part about this is his teammate turns to Mike and is like, Mike, he don't know. He doesn't know. Like, <laughs> and then like Lacks the critical information. And then like Jordan dominates them the rest of the way. And, they, and Jordan and the Bulls win the game. That's like what it felt like watching that happen to Washington. where like you're you're seeing Dante like talk trash. You're seeing uh, Piggy. And then all of a sudden, like it, and it wasn't just Dante or I right. mean, Decay. Who, who who like turned it on but like decay is the one guy that I, you focus on and you see mm-hmm. him like start to like he was already playing pretty well but then like he's he's becoming a difference maker again i mean like he's that, like a top five player in the game right you don't want to yeah. you don't want to piss don't off and help help ascend a player who's in argument for like the goat <laughs> you to, don't want to do that yeah. <laughs> to be fair though it did look like at first that maybe that trash talk was working so i give them like a little bit there for houston yes and, and like they like like they they owned it at the end too like they mm-hmm. you know they, they realized that what happened but like man you, when you talk trash like that you gotta win the game you do you have to win mm-hmm. because now it looks it, it looks a lot worse when you talk trash and you don't win so mm-hmm. so like that's part of it for for Houston with me. But like it's still it, it's a disappointment that they they are not in playoffs right now. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're and every it felt like it's just constant disappointment. Great matches leading up to the play ins or like the play ins into to Hawaii. And the second they got to those important matches, they just couldn't show up in those important matches. Um, that's a hard mental thing to break. Mm-hmm. Um, probably for a lot of these players who just haven't taste, haven't felt what breaking that boundary is like. Um, I would love to see them add just one veteran player who who's experienced some kind of glory, be it at the stage playoff level or the grand finals. I feel like that's the one piece they need, and that could unlock everything else for these players. Because right now, it just it just feels like they're in their own heads. They just can't close it out. I think Happy's a great player, but I don't know if I was. I, it's really weird because I wanted Dante on Tracer as much as he's a great Sombra. Yes, I really wanted him on Tracer and I get you, you know, Happy's probably better at Tracer than Dante mm-hmm. is on Sombra. Obviously, like is how good Dante Sombra is. But man, like it felt like they were missing that one guy to yeah. to sort of be the the bridge for those two and, and give them a little bit more flexibility. And, and I think that kind of hurt a little bit. And, and it's not like happy had a horrible tracer game and and he played fine. No. Yeah. But, and it's not like the biggest difference maker, but it, it was definitely something to me that I was like, man, I kind of wish they did have somebody else to like allow for happy to focus on the things that right. he's great at. And it's just, yeah. Like he played an okay game, but unfortunately he was matched up against decay. Yeah. So so being just okay is a huge deficit to your team when when Decay's doing Decay things on the other side as your tracer counterpart, right? So yeah, as you said, it it's unfortunate that you just couldn't clone Dante and have him play Tracer and Sombra because those are like his two best heroes. Maybe maybe Echo in the conversation too, right? <laughs> but another another case of a team just kind of having a rough meta, but they played really well. Um, yeah. I think there's. Even though it isn't a disappointing result, there was a lot to be proud of in that match too, and a lot to be proud of in this season overall. Overall, for all of those players, because um, they definitely over overperformed expectations um, going into the season, 
and what what people had on paper for them. Um, so ho- hopefully they can make get that extra player they need to kind of fill in that gap yeah. and maybe get that veteran experience to get this team who's just chronically choking or because it's like Houston and map fives has been a joke since 2018 since the and beginning it hasn't of the changed year or the the league right? <laughs> yeah it's wild it's absolutely wild that, that that literally I'm telling you like they as somebody who's from Chicago they mm. are just like their fans are just like Cubs fans I, I need to ask Ms. Liz if she is a Cubs fan because like She's got like because the way she is about Houston, the way Ramsey's is about Houston. I'm like, man, you you remind me of people I know who are Cubs fans. They really do. It's so funny to me that like their fans expect the failure just as much as anyone else. But one thing that wasn't a failure, in fact, it was absolutely wild and bizarre. Really, really before we get to that, though, actually, let's talk meta really fast here. Um. And then we'll get to to the bracket because the bracket's nuts. But um, the the meta really seems to be about the Tracer Sombra being one of the main yes. main factors. Um, Winston, the, the tanks. It's kind of what do you want to play as far as style? There's so much diversity. It's but, so fun. <laughs> but like, I think a good example of that is San Francisco. Like they played dive. They played anti died yep. they played rush and all were extremely successful for them yeah um it doesn't it seems like it's about there's a, it seems like we might have a little bit of that rock paper scissors but it does seem the tracer mm-hmm. tracer seemed to be very heavily favored sombra yes. as well and then like um it, it was more of a um situational for like the hanzo the ash and some yes. of those other heroes that we were seeing prior and then the supports, Zens don't didn't seem to do as well. That was like the one thing I noticed. Everything else seemed to be pretty good. Yeah, um, it definitely seemed like it seemed like a lot of teams figured out like heavily focusing the Zen was like the way to go. Especially if you were running those those dive heavy comps like the the ball the ball diva tracer sombra. Mm-hmm. It is really easy to get on top of a Zen and just melt him. Like yes, the Zen synergizes really well with all those heroes as well. Yes, the Discord orb is good when you're going up against a ball. Like, this all makes sense. But at the end of the day, if you're just being killed over and over and over and over, maybe it isn't the best, right? And to um, that end, like, the Lucio seems to make a difference for that Zen being able to be played or not. Because the 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 big counter to that Zen was having a dive comp with a Lucio that everybody could get on top of you yep. with the speed boost. True. And, and that was what was missing from this most recent um hero pool so mm-hmm. so t- teams that kind of relied too much on that ball's end seemed to really hurt like ball ball was maybe the one that was played the least for the tanks but even ball clearly had its place yes and it was played more in asia than like than north america as per Standard, usual right. all season um but yeah it's just to me as someone who's been watching the Overwatch League since 2018, it was very exciting, A, to have a diverse meta going into the playoffs, and B, this is the first time we've had a playoffs where there wasn't a major patch right before um, right before the playoffs happened. And it yeah. actually feels like now we're seeing like the fruits of stage one through four just start to be start to be reaped in um 
amongst the teams like you're seeing the lessons they learned from this stage okay this was like more rush heavy this was more dive heavy and now you're yeah. starting to see them kind of take the lessons they learned from everything mix it all together and you're seeing lots of different hero diversity um and it's like yes you're seeing a lot of tracer sombra but echo genji hanzo there's some widowmaker ash um there's so many dps players uh heroes being played every off tank every main tank is being played yeah the supports are being mixed in and there's just so much diversity depending on the map your strengths and everything it's just this is how overwatch this is like the dream for how overwatch should be played like yes there's a meta but there's still so much diversity depending on the situation that's happening and the map and yep. and to get that specific also in the playoffs for the first time ever i'm so hyped man it's if things could stay like this after this two week break and we go into the actual double bracket final eight, it, this is this is going to be the best playoffs we've ever had. <laughs> it, it, it's almost like um, it, it, there's a there's a bittersweet like thought to it as well. Right. Because like this is the last time. Yeah, we're going to see six V six. And True. it seems like what the original pillars of what they wanted the game to be are going to be a factor here in the final 6v6 version yep. of overwatch i'm not that's not to say that they won't have that in 5v5 but the way the game was originally intended to be played with yes. two tanks and everything you know not that it was intended to be played with two tanks but that was sort of sure. what what the 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 strive ended up being which is why we got 222 and all that so mm -hmm. it, it is kind of nice if that ends up being the case i think the only change that really happened was i think what winston bubble is a little bit longer i think that's like one of the only changes that that came in as of any time recently i believe yeah there is there was other there was one other kind of oh the ball the ball from spawn change as well yeah so like that, those are the two things and yeah. and that's like why you're seeing a little bit more of the Winston compared to the Wrecking Ball, but Wrecking Ball clearly, obviously, still works. Yeah. Now that we've talked about that, we can talk about the bracket because, <sighs> my God, I, I did not think this was the bracket nope. we're going to get. So we'll we'll, nope. we'll say the bracket first because if you somehow missed the the um the selection show, one go back and watch it because that was ridiculous, and then two, here's the bracket for you. Game number one, the number one seed Shanghai Dragons picked the San Francisco Shock to be their opponent for the first round. That's right. The San Francisco Shock, the, the two-time defending champions going for the three-peat who looked dominant in their last game to get into the playoffs were picked by the Shanghai Dragons. And Moon said it felt like something that was supposed to happen last year. Let's just get out of it out of the way in the beginning. Some scorched earth there from the, the, the dragons. They're going all in right at the beginning, picking who they see, obviously, as one of the biggest targets that they're going to have. Mm -hmm. That's their game. Before we get to them, though, Fusion Gladiators is our seven and four. Gladiators didn't get to choose, and they all they somehow they got the seven seed. Whatever. Washington Justice, Dallas Fuel. That was some spicy talk, too, from Sparkle, who was the representative for Dallas. And then Atlanta Rain, Chengdu Hunters is our three versus five matchup. But let's go back to this first one, because, like, this is what started the craziness where it's right? like, what? Right. Like, OK, what? Oh, 
this is this is this is why selection shows exist, right? But yeah. up until this point, it's never come to fruition because every team's just like, well, we want to play the weakest team because we want to win. And then all of a sudden, like everybody, I don't know, so- something was different in their cereal this morning. And they decided they were just going to go off the wall and just say, yeah, no, screw it. San Francisco shock because got to beat the best to be the best. So let's go. And like you're thinking it like from a dragon's perspective, it's cr- it's it's a crazy idea. But also from the shock perspective, you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Re- reinforce like we want to go, P- go deep in this playoffs and we have to face you first. <laughs> reinforce got PTSD from <laughs> from the Apex days when they I don't know if you remember, but them picking Envy in season one of Apex. <sighs> Th- there was, was definitely right some about PTSD. When I was getting into Overwatch. Yeah, so so it reinforced for those who don't know was the representative uh, in Apex Season One playoffs where they he he was the one who decided because Rogue going in to the playoffs were the top team, so they got to pick who they played, and they picked their biggest rival in Envy because they were they were like dominant, like in in the yep. the leading up to the playoffs of Apex Season One. And for those who don't know, uh, the 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 way that stories ends is Rogue gets defeated by Envy in that first round. And then Envy goes on to win, win the, whole. It, the whole thing, become the first <laughs> Western team to win on Korean soil in only, any right? esport. Has anybody done it since? It's still I don't only, think anybody's right? done it since. I think yeah. they're the only team to do it. Yep. So so there there's a little history lesson to, to you. He he definitely had PTSD from that, but like I respect the hell out of it with the way that Shanghai went about yeah. it. That it's like, oh, I I am so like that's how we start the day off. Are you? Right. Or it's not how we started. It says it's match one. I think match. I think the Dallas Fuel are actually the first match, which is weird. Even though it says the match I'll one. Check the schedule here. Yeah, schedule is weird. But anyway, that's still the top of the bracket. That's nuts. And then the the Dallas picks the Washington Justice. That's our two, the two seed versus the eight seed. And and like Sparkle Sparkle talks about how he wants to murder Decay. And it's like, did you not just watch what happened when there was smack talk that was thrown his way by Houston? Like, my God, that I'm excited for that one because it's the revenge tour for Dallas against one of right? the right. Yeah, players. like literally, you you know, like Doha and Sparkle are close, and Doha was just in his ear and was like, "I hate this guy. If Justice is there, you got, bro, you gotta, you gotta, you got. I hate the K man. You gotta select him. Uh, <laughs> like that's that's what I just imagined. It's like this devil on his shoulder of Doha just being like Justice. <laughs> Somewhere his coach is like Philadelphia Fusion. They looked really weak. <laughs> while Del is screaming into his ear. So, yep, Sp- Decay had some spicy words back for uh, for Sparkle, too. It wasn't all just Sparkle delivering yeah, the spice. True, <laughs> true. <laughs> that, that, that's very true. I forget what Decay said, but but what Sparkle said just resonated more for right. me because I was like, oh, my God. Like, it, well, and he, he's laughing when he's saying it as well. So, you know, like, you know, it's banter and all that. But yeah, that that that's another matchup that I I um. I still pick Dallas for it, um, right? But I'm not. I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's right. definitely one that's going to be yeah, just wild. like the other one. Like you pick Shanghai, but like a lot less confident than you would have been if they like picked Fusion. I would have been like, oh yeah, Dallas, like hundred percent. I'll put money on it. <laughs> um, this uh, <laughs> well, especially it, it, with like 
now like that now decay is pissed like you saw his face too when like sparkle was saying what he was saying decay was like <laughs> like super angry there's the there's the really good like lebron james picture where he's in the playoffs and he's got that like one face it's like a meme now mm-hmm. i don't know if you, if you know the picture i'm talking about or not where like yeah. you can see like oh lebron's mad that's not yep. good yeah that, that that was sort that of was the <laughs> <laughs> you, you could have put like the LeBron face there or angry Jordan. Like it didn't matter. Like like he was in that same sort of zone right there. Hopefully he brings it when they play Dallas because that could be a fun game. God. Atlanta rain versus Chengdu hunters should be fun too, though. Like, yes, it, th- the best part is like Gator was clearly very p- prepared yep. to talk trash to the gladiators. Yep. He did not think he was going to be picked. <laughs> He's like, he was so like, like you could see it on his face. Like he was like, he was shocked at how everything went to that point. And he's like, yep. um, he, yeah. he didn't know what to say. Yeah. He's he just like, uh, all right. Yep. Yep. Up. Uh, uh-huh. Yep. And, and, yep. and then, and then he like, okay. you see him like collect himself. And then he says a little, some trash talk and calls him crap. Yeah. Or, after like, so makes fun of him for like the fifth time. He finally realized like, oh yeah, I'm being kind of lame right now. Aren't I? Let me, and then he like throws out some really weak trash. Talk. He's shout- like, yeah, they're trash. They're garbage or whatever. I'm like, Shout Ooh. outs to Zoe because she she said shit on the broadcast and she also said yeah. fuck on the broadcast like she yeah. was she was in the zone as a host. Yep. And like uh, she doesn't get enough credit sometimes for for jumping into a role that she like she had done it before, but like to take over like everybody loved bucket and whatever. And she has been awesome. Like, yes. And that was one of the examples for me was there like her and Danny were both great throughout this entire thing. Like I got to give them props because I thought that they handled everything really well. And oh yeah, gladiators versus fusion is our final game. And everybody's like, like even DP is like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, well, I loved when, when uh, Chengdu selected Atlanta, DP had the biggest smile on his face. You're just like, did they really leave Fusion with us? Like, I imagine the whole day he's thinking like, oh, my God, watching Shock and Justice play, thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to have to play one of these other teams or we're going to have to play Atlanta. There's literally no film on them. I'm going to have no idea what to do. And then and then suddenly the what to me looked like the weakest team out of every team we saw that made playoffs. Goes to the Gladiators. It's just unpicked squeaks through you 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 have to be ecstatic like what a what a position to make a deep run in playoffs that you've just been just been gifted for free it's nuts like like you know we've got a little bit of time before playoffs start so so we'll definitely break these games down more (laughs) next week yeah you know but my god just just like how, how can you not be excited for this like that show was great but also just like these are like some dream sort of matchups right? that you kind of want. Like you, you, we haven't been able to see Shanghai and and San Francisco play each other yet, you know? So we finally mm-hmm. get this matchup that we've been looking forward to for two years. We finally are going to get it right at the beginning of playoffs. You couldn't ask for something cooler than that. So mm-hmm. like the teams gave us what we wanted as viewers. Yeah. Even if it doesn't seem to make the most strategic sense. Yes. Yeah, they they decided to put on a show. And I, I, I imagine if you're John Spector watching this, you are just the happiest man on Earth. You're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> look at these matchups. Like, what is going on? This is perfect. 
Um, all the storylines are great. Chengdu and Atlanta's rivalry, the past two tournaments, mm-hmm. Fusion and Gladiators, two teams that have really stuck to this mixed roster. Car- you probably won't see them, but Bird Ring versus Rascal. But if you don't, even just Carpet versus Bird Ring is like a premier matchup. Yep. Mono versus Muse, the old versus the new. There's so many good storylines. Shoe versus Alarm. Hello. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, in all of these matches, there's so many good storylines that have that are not just from this year, but like from history as well. Like we have suffered in the Overwatch League a lot of losing these kind of rivalries and matchups that have history, like Titans v. Shock, right? Right. Um, A lot of these things have just kind of disappeared and gone to the wayside. So to have like these matchups that have history behind them and every one of these feels like a rivalry matchup is really exciting. Sparkle versus Decay, because obviously the words there at it at the uh, yeah d- during this selection, but mm-hmm. Mag versus Fearless, where the two the, the, you can argue maybe two of the best uh, at Winston and Reinhardt, right? Like we're gonna mm-hmm. see a lot of those two oh, yeah. heroes in that matchup. So like there's there's definitely storylines for the Dallas game besides Decay being the former teammate of Doha and everything yes. else. So th- there's some very good storylines, like you said, in every single game. And it's a lot to look forward to. And honestly, this is like a great way to end the 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 show, because like, my God, there is so much to look forward to, which it feels like we haven't been able to for a while. Yeah, that's the big thing. It's been just. It's been so negative in the, and so pessimistic in the community. It's like mm-hmm. it's been hard to just get excited for overwatch league so like to be to be excited again is just a, a, a welcome feeling back um for sure and i wish i wish it wasn't a two-week break i don't understand it my conspiracy theory is they're afraid of valorant they don't want those numbers compared with berlin just gonna leave that there but uh, but now you gotta compete with the nfl i don't know but- I'm just saying the NFL well, don't even got to compete with the NFL because they're playing Tuesday through Saturday for oh, some God, reason. Right. I totally Tuesday. forgot that. Like I have a raid on Tuesday night and then, oh, let me just watch it the next day. Nope. I got to go to work. <laughs> and then I come home and there's matches again. What are you doing? <laughs> you know what? Maybe that was the smartest thing is that they're not playing on Sunday. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Friday but, to Saturday. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no football, but. They they avoided the Valorant tournament like the plague, man. <laughs> I, I, I uh, yeah, that that's a little bit odd. Maybe too. that's not the case, but they've got the Hawaii in a week before. I don't know why it's taking two weeks this time. Well, two and a half weeks because it's not even. Oh, we're gonna start two weekends from now. It's no, it's passing two weekends and then starting on a Tuesday. Because before Arlington was going to be one weekend and then the next weekend was going to be grand finals. Now it's all just the same week. I don't know. I I will say this. (laughs) I will say this. Okay, it is good for the teams going to Hawaii that they get time to adjust to being in Hawaii. So from that standpoint, I'm actually a little okay with it. They can get they can at least they're not going to be exhausted from just traveling there. And if you're a smart team, you're getting to Hawaii tonight. You know I was what I about mean? to say, but how many teams are going to actually do that and how many teams are going to be cheap and wait? The teams that want to win are going to go as soon as they possibly can. That's for yes. sure. And yep. the way that you can help us win on this podcast is by doing reviews on your podcasting platform of choice. So it, it helps by 
getting us visibility in the algorithms and also helps us improve the show because you tell us, you know, what things have been happening that you liked or disliked. So please, please do that. Also share it with your friends uh, who are Overwatch League or OWL or Overwatch fans. Uh, we, we always enjoy getting new people into whatever we can. Also, don't forget about the Discord. Discord.me slash mash those buttons is where you can go. Join us here. Um, I, I don't know. Community stuff has been a little bit weird just because, you know, everything went on with Blizzard, but it, it still gets to keep you up to date with shows that are not us. Like we were talking about Final Fantasy 14 at the very beginning, and there's a awesome Final Fantasy 14 podcast, among other games as well. If you're FGC fan, there's something here for you as well in Mash Those Buttons. There's a lot of cool stuff to check out. So please, please do that. Patreon.com slash Mash Those Buttons to support the network. Please do. This network is awesome. Ja is incredible. Little as a dollar a month is all you have to do, and you get access to Patreon exclusive content. And of course, if you want to follow the show socials at Pushpoint POD is where we post um, when the show goes out live and, and everything else. So please do that or email us if you'd like to send us something more long form. Push the point at gmail.com is where you do that. And Howler, where will they go to see you? And, you know, do you got anything coming up that you want to throw no, out I there? I got a lot going on. Just kind of kind of going through life. COVID. <laughs> just trying to get through COVID, you know? Yeah. Um, right. But you could you could follow me on Twitter at Howler H O W L E I R. Um, I tweet I tweet a lot of Overwatch. I tweet some other sports too. Like I'm I'm rocking my WNBA jersey right now. You're cool probably going to be seeing me crying over the Liberty continuing to lose games and not make playoffs over the next couple of weeks. Um, but feel free check me out there. Yeah, that's about it. Always has cool stuff. Likes One Piece as well. Like we could have talked about it. We probably could have done a whole show on One Piece if we really wanted to. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah I would totally do a One Piece show. I'm not even lying, but uh, yeah, it, it'd be a lot of fun. So please go ahead, follow Howler. And uh, if you want to follow me at Labosco, and then you'll see me tweet dumb stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, this was this was awesome. This was like super short notice to get you on too. So super appreciated from you, Howler to come on because Ramsey's literally told me last night he's like yeah I'm not going to be able to make it I'm like uh uh oh and then like last yep. night I, I like went to bed immediately afterwards <laughs> and I've been like doing like laundry and stuff all day and I was sure, like yeah. oh I don't have anybody for the you're show you're just going to be alone talking to yourself <laughs> which listen I've done stuff like that before I can do it I know I can I'm just glad I didn't have to and it's always fun to have you on because I, I think you always have really good thoughts so yeah definitely happy to be here you caught me a little bit off guard I was you know lazy Sunday I had a four day weekend I was living Ooh. life just chilling and then I'm like oh my god I need to like shower <laughs> the, the best part was when I messaged you you're like well it's a good thing I watched all the games yes. this weekend I was like, I'm I so been glad. Podcasting, so I've just been like, oh, I'll watch what I can. I'll watch yeah. the games I'm interested in. But this weekend, I watch them all. I'm like, oh my god, perfect. Okay, I'm actually ready. Let's go. <laughs> I can do this one. <laughs> well, we we are glad always to have you, and and glad to, to be here. Get to do stuff with you. But that's gonna do it here. This was episode number one eighteen of Push the Point. Thanks for watching, and of course, be kind to those in your community here in the Overwatch community as well. And, and of course. Take care of those that you know and love and try to make your community a much better place than what it is. I know that we're trying here, especially with all the stuff going out. So stay safe. We'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 